This story begins in early January 2012, when I noticed that another John Ronson had started posting on Twitter. His photograph was a photograph of my face. His Twitter name was John underscore Ronson. His most recent tweet, which appeared as I stared in surprise at his timeline, read, Going home, got to get the recipe for a huge plate of guarana and mussel in a bap with mayonnaise, smiley face, hashtag yummy. Who are you? I tweeted him. Watching Seinfeld, I would love a big plate of celeriac grouper and sour cream kebab with lemongrass, hashtag foodie, he tweeted. I didn't know what to do. The next morning I checked John underscore Ronson's timeline before I checked my own. In the night he'd tweeted, I'm dreaming something about time and cock. He had 20 followers. Some were people I knew from real life who were presumably wondering why I'd suddenly become so passionate about fusion cooking and candid about dreaming about cock. I did some digging. I discovered that a young researcher, formerly of Warwick University, called Luke Robert Mason, had a few weeks earlier posted a comment on the Guardian site. It was in response to a short video I had made about spam bots. We've built John his very own infomorph, he wrote. You can follow him on Twitter here, at John underscore Ronson. Oh, so it's some kind of spam bot, I thought. OK, this will be fine. Luke Robert Mason must have thought I would like the spam bot. When he finds out that I don't, he'll remove it. So I tweeted him. Hi, will you take down your spam bot, please? Ten minutes passed. Then he replied, We prefer the term infomorph. I frowned. But it's taken my identity, I wrote. The infomorph isn't taking your identity, he wrote back. It is repurposing social media data into an infomorphic aesthetic. I felt a tightness in my chest. Hashtag woohoo, damn. I'm in the mood for a tidy plate of onion grill with crusty bread. Hashtag foodie, at John underscore Ronson tweeted. I was at war with a robot version of myself. A month passed. At John underscore Ronson was tweeting 20 times a day about its whirlwind of social engagements, its soirees and wide circle of friends. It now had 50 followers. They were getting a disastrously misrepresentative depiction of my views on soirees and friends. The spam bot left me feeling powerless and sullied. My identity had been redefined all wrong by strangers, and I had no recourse. I tweeted Luke Robert Mason. If he was adamant that he wouldn't take down his spam bot, maybe we could at least meet. I could film the encounter and put it on YouTube. He agreed, writing that he'd be glad to explain the philosophy behind the infomorph. I replied I'd certainly be interested to learn the philosophy behind the spam bot. I rented a room in central London. He arrived with two other men, the team behind the spam bot. All three were academics. They'd met at the University of Warwick. Luke was the youngest, handsome, in his twenties, a researcher in technology and cyberculture and director of the Virtual Futures Conference, according to his online CV. 
David Balsola looked like a rakish teacher, the sort of person who might speak at a conference on the literature of Alistair Crowley. He was a creative technologist and the CEO of the digital agency Filter Factory. Dan O'Hara had a shaved head and eyes that were piercing and annoyed looking. His jaw was clenched. He was in his late thirties, a lecturer in English and American literature at the University of Cologne. Before that he'd been a lecturer at Oxford. He'd written a book about J.G. Ballard called Extreme Metaphors and another book called Thomas Pynchon, Schizophrenia and Social Control. As far as I understood it, David Balsola had done the actual building of the spam bot, while the other two men provided research and consultancy. I suggested they sit in a row on the sofa so I could film them all in a single shot.